Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast seeing that's two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. My name's Aaron and each week I have the pleasure of talking about movies and films with my best buddy James. Hello there. And this week's no exception, no playing around for episode 228. No mate, we're going to take you back. Back to a time when your heroes would shoot people. You didn't have origin stories mate. They were trained, highly trained, sometimes trained against domestic and foreign, mate. We're talking about three arms of the US intelligence service going to war, mate, outside San Francisco in Alcatraz. The Rock. Oh, my God. Just got chills, chills mate. I've got chills. We're not talking about, no, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. We're talking about Nicolas Cage and definitely not James Bond taking on Ed Harris <laughs> in one of the most poorly thought out plans. It's like, this will make Congress listen. I'll gas a lot of innocent people. <laughs> I mean, this this is the this is the original rock, isn't it? Before Dwayne, Dwayne was a pebble at this point. He was a pebble, mate. He was he was not eroded. He was eroded. <laughs> the Rock is a classic movie from the mid nineties. Not only is it Michael Bay's best movie, which it's, I mean, it's, it's <laughs> slim pickings, slim pickings. It's also part of the holy trinity. The uh, the three movies of Nicolas Cage's mid nineties career, them being Con Air, Face Off, and The Rock, and to some, to many. The most beloved out of that Holy Trinity. You, sir, this is where I'm, I'm, I've taken the lead on this because this is a film that you can quote off by heart. Mm. And next week, you're doing a film that I can quote off by heart, which is a weird turnaround, isn't it? Yeah, we will do Face Off next week, you lucky listeners. So you're going to get two of the 90s greatest action movies, uh, but two starring Nick Cage um, in, the, in the next two weeks. The Rock this week, we're, we're, we're setting off early with that. If this is your first episode... Uh, with us thank you for downloading we release a uh, new episode each and every week free on the internet it's out there enjoy it but if you do like it leave us a comment subscribe you get a new one each and every week and there's over 200 shows to go back and listen to uh, from everything some director specials sometimes we do like today where we look at a specific movie and depending on the time of the year we might do Christmas Halloween but it's always movie and film orientated yes sometimes we'll go onto the smaller screen sometimes we just like to chat our words it's been a, been a crazy hectic few weeks for you hasn't it mate yeah. yeah, I mean, last I've enjoyed the last two episodes because last two episodes we did just we, there was no theme. It was just what movies have you watched? Yes, you know. So we we talked about some greats. We talked about some that are winning awards at the moment. So we talked about everything, everywhere, all everywhere, all at once. Everything, every, everywhere, all at once. That's the one. Uh, Banshees of Inisherin. There we go. We talked about the menu, which got good uh, feedback on uh, social media. Thank you. A lot of people saying, "Oh, don't hate it," and the Barbarian, which again I liked as a kind of modern uh, horror movie, which I thought was really, really enjoyable. But we talked about a good, good collection of movies in the last two episodes going into 2023. We're going to dial it back, single episode, play by play. Here we go. So we're from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, key scenes, key acts, key events that get us from inception to uh, to climax. Yes, there you go. This is the, the foreplay and the penetration. <laughs> I remember, <laughs> I remember, um, yeah, mop yourself up when you finish. I remember in the cinema as a young kid seeing the glass green chemical balls. Yes. And thinking, Crisp, mate. Flubber's getting a sequel. <laughs> no, I, 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 but I do remember seeing My- Nicolas Cage and it said The Rock, even when I was way too young to see this movie. One of the first DVDs I bought and this DVD had extras brimming, mate, brimming with extras. And I'll never forget this. And I've, I've spoken to you with this at length before. It had outtakes. Oh, Nicholas Cage is a funny guy. A lot of the humour, the film was actually written in a more serious tone. A lot of the humour is derived from ad-libs and the bouncing off, especially between Nicholas Cage and Sean Connery. Um, but when you click on outtakes, mate, you have a three-minute scene of terrifying nature of Ed Harris 
constantly screwing up his lines where he's supposed to be on the phone with the general and he smatters, sorry, he shatters the living piss out of his entire set. One of the scariest things I've ever seen is Ed Harris beating piss out of plywood. <laughs> <laughs> so, so outtakes, more like terrifier takes. <laughs> don't, don't watch it. It's there, there terrifying. Are, there was a thing about Ed Harris for the longest time where... He would come into a movie halfway through and and be the catalyst for chaos. Just like John C. McGinley was, his introduction was to cancel something, wasn't it? There was the actors mm. that they had things and then Harris's was to shit it up. Yeah, The the Rock... Oh, and ju- I'm just going to... Just just in case any anorak does write you in our DMs. Yeah, Flubber came out in 97, I know. The Flubber maybe is a sequel to The Rock. But I do... <laughs> That's a fucking film that I want to see. <laughs> The chemical decides, I don't want to go down this life anymore. I want to poison people. I don't want, I don't want to gas people. I want to be bouncy. I've got a question for you. Is, is, you know, if you're Robin Williams and you create Flubber, why would you then go, I won't sell it to airlines, I'll sell it to car people? Why don't you just sell it as like, you've created sentient life, you dickhead. You're technically God. Why don't you just be like, rule the world? You are an idiot short-sighted, mate. It's been a long time since I've seen the movie Flubber. He sells it to cars so cars can fly. Yeah, yeah. And then I would like to think that there's a backstory of the aviation, like people try to then murder him, <laughs> destroy Flubber. There's your sequel. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you can tell, if it is your first episode, we will digress, go off topic, and uh, and just chat shit throughout the whole episode. Do stick with us. Um, you're going to lead on this one. You're going to lead on The Rock. On The Rock, yeah. But as I said, I'm well-versed in this movie, having seen it at least a million times At least up. a million times. It is Michael Bay's best movie, right? It is Michael Bay's best movie, easily. Mm. Easily, but the problem is the stuff that works here maybe explains the stuff that he just took with him for yeah. every single film. That Loves the Marines, mate. Loves a, loves a scene of tactical espionage. Loves that. It's a long film as well. It's a long film, but this is what I'm going to say about Michael Bay. He knows how to pace a film back then. This film was one of the longest. Doesn't feel like it. There, there comes a point that... <laughs> There is a certain, you, um, the moderate threat continues. And as we get to point A to point B, so spoilers, they get, they get onto the prison and they're, they're trying to hunt these rockets down bit by bit. And no point, so in a great film, there's always a lull. There's a part where you go, here's 20 minutes you could cut out. I actually think The Rock doesn't have that because you need that. Otherwise, it's too easy. I don't know. I don't know. When I think back to it, I think all the... The San Francisco, you, you know, so I, I, car chase. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that uh, Mason Con- Connery's character, who's been incarcerated for decades, mm. you know, wants out. He doesn't want to help the mission. He wants to see his daughter. I think you need this scene though, because otherwise, there's no excitement for when he. Get, oh, actually, maybe the excitement then would then be behind when you saw him on the island and you could see what he could do. Well, that's a good point, actually. Maybe. Yeah. But then you'd miss out on some great stereotypes. I'm only borrowing your Humvee. I know that. That's <laughs> that's a Michael Bay thing, though. I, of of stealing shoot. a foreigner's car. No, no. He, well, his car gets nicked again, doesn't it? Yes, in uh, National Treasure. Yeah, he's, he's he, that, <laughs> by that, Ed Harris. That, yeah, that actor, bless him, is his two roles in in two movies has been of his car stolen, but um. And Michael Bay does that thing though of like uh, cutting to a character who says something no one else can hear because they're in a car or whatever like that bit I'm only borrowing your Humvee so Connery's saying that to himself like ha yeah I said that do you know what I mean it's like it's silly it's stupid and that, don't get me wrong when I talk about Face Off next week that whole concept is silly it's great but it's very silly The Rock to me when every time I watch it I think Oh yeah, there's all this shit at the beginning, isn't there? It is an hour before they get on the actual island. That's what I mean. <laughs> what I love about it is for the island. Right, so I don't know about you, but if you're a military man and you sat on that island, how bored have you did? <laughs> I, that's my problem. I'd be like, did you bring a Nintendo? No. <laughs> before we before we um, 
before we digress, and this is, if this is taking over some of your notes, I do apologise. We've dropped some names already. We've done Connery. We've talked about Ed Harris as yes. the main villain, as, as uh, general... Uh, Tell you what, this has got a secondary cast. Is amazing. It well, is a who's who. Nick Cage, Stanley Goodspeed, John Spencer, Warmack. One of your favourite villains, isn't he? One of your favourite secondary kind of villains. He, it also is his name. And I've got to say, Connery can say Warmack like a piece champ. of shit. Warmack. Why am I not surprised? I do. I do. Apologies for the Scottish accent, which will come out. Yeah, I do. I do think he's one of my favourite villains. Which is like, well, he's not a villain. He's he not works a villain. for the good team. Yeah, yeah. but he's the villain of the good team. <laughs> and it's normally a person in power that is that person. Um, David Morse as well as Major Tom Baxter. Love David. I love that character. That he's been through. He's been through it with the Major General. He's always been by his side. Right, man. Yeah. Yes. I nearly said Lieutenant, but clearly Major. I've just Major, said it. I like to think that this is the guy that actually deserves the plaudits, but doesn't get him. And the reason he's here is because he wants yeah. him. Cheddar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I'm sick of you, Aris. There, there is a there is a moment in this movie though, we're jumping ahead, where like where everyone's like, oh, I think I think Ed Harris has lost it, and David Morse, who's been by his side all along, it gives him the eyes if to say you've lost it. You know, I, I, I feel like I need to jump ship at the moment, but yeah. he doesn't. He's loyal. He's a good man. Um, William Forsyth. I like William Forsyth. He's got an interesting face. <laughs> I've yeah. never seen him in this. I've seen him in a lot of things. Obviously, he's famous. He he does appear in uh, Raising, Bigelow, mate. Raising Ju- Arizona. Ju- Let's just talk with. about Juice Bigelow because yeah, I can't not see him in that. Blue Streak. Yeah. There you go. With the with the other Owen. Michael Bean. Or we called him Michael BM once and God, Twitter went angry. Michael Bean. Yeah. Playing uh, what he plays. <laughs> an army man who dies. <laughs> it's shocking. Isn't it weird when he turned up in Mandalorian? You're like, God, he hasn't changed at all, has he? <laughs> I wonder how long it is till he dies. <laughs> um, John C. McGinley, which we talked about. Yes. Tony Todd. I mean, yeah, what a uh, cast. Well, I like to find out Tony Todd, who you spend the rest of the film going, is that, is that Tony Todd? Yeah. Because you would have thought Tony Todd would have a bigger role. <laughs> is, it, is that Candyman? But his role, when, he, when, he, when he's talking about Elton John, of all things in this yeah. movie. He doesn't listen to that soft ass shit. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, he's terrifying whilst yielding a knife. Not, cl- not clever though. I'd like... <laughs> I don't want to get into spoilers, but that is legitimately one of my favourite kill scenes of all yeah. time because his plan is to chase Stanley Goodspeed around a rocket. So, so, so every time he goes left, Stanley Goodspeed mate, just goes right. Yeah, <laughs> fucking fooled it, squares him up, and then shoots him out the window. It's just like I think that's brilliant. I, I tell you what, if I ever, if a serial killer ever comes around me, I'll just go around a table, and every time he goes, I'll go in the opposite direction. Yeah. Like, fucking schooled him. I do, I do hope there's a bit where Ed Harris looks out the window and sees Tony Todd get rocketed and go. Oh, what a wanker. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, um, Gregory Spoleta, who is the Literally, worst of the batch. He, he has a face that is a villainous face. Like, even when he shows up in Friends as the health inspector, you still expect him to shoot yeah. like, Phoebe in the head. Yeah, he always, he always, I don't know what movie it is. It's something like Lawless that I always think of him where it's like 1920s Prohibition era yeah. and he's he's like a hardworking dad who beats his kids. Yes. I don't know what movie that is and he's sweating all the way through it. But I, that's, and, that's yes. whenever I think of him. Um, there's uh, Bo Keem Woodbine, Sergeant Crisp. I, he's, he, I love his name, Sergeant Crisp, because he gets shouted out quite a lot. Sergeant Crisp, and uh, and yeah, I mean that's that's the majority of the main cast, of course. As the as the love interest, you got Vanessa Marcel as well. Yeah, I had a, had a bit of a crush on her. Completely. Yeah, you can see why. Although she makes a stupid decision to bring human life into this world. <laughs> well, yeah, she was the prom queen though. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> this problem is if you haven't seen this film, we've just done a bit. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, great cast, stellar cast. He's Bay's best one. As you talk, already talked about, different versions of scripts, different versions of screenplays. 
Uncredited uh, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, and, and Aaron Talking, who obviously does The West Wing. He, right. he did some rewrites as well. They're all uncredited, but there's there's even more, mate. A lot of people getting interested in this, a lot of pies in the fingers. Michael Bay wasn't at the top of his game. Did you say pies in the fingers? Yeah, I, I, I think I did it once as a joke, and now I just can't stop. Oh. <laughs> fingers and a lot of pies. And he got called to head office. And they were going to strip him down and go, you can't spend this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Just so happened that he passed Sean Connery, who was on his way for a game of golf, mate. And Sean Connery was like, oh, I'm an executive producer, do you mind if I come with you? He went to, um, I believe it, oh, I can't, um, Bruckheimer, mm. screamed them all down. It was just because it's Sean Connery dressed. I don't know about you, but that would terrify if Sean Connery showed up in golf attire. He had his golf, yeah, And then started telling the me, he basically berated him and just said, leave him alone, let him mm. do his own thing. But Sean Connery didn't stop there, mate. He couldn't be asked to go on the ferry back and forth at the end of every day. And he got his own little house built on Alcatraz Island so he could stay there between shooting. What a... That's so Sean Connery. Yeah. <laughs> only Sean That's Connery so could bond, do that. And he would only sign on after he found out it was Nicolas Cage signed on to play uh, Godspeed. So there you go. It's weird, isn't it? It's weird because I know Sean Connery, like, you know, you can't really... Love him because all these interviews yeah. have resurfaced about him, you know, thinking it's appropriate to hit a woman if all else. But the, but the fails. last time that that's, that's all of Hollywood. We, we can't comment on the person. We can yeah, comment on the on art. the work on the work yes. of, the, of the individual. Don't, uh, Connery's never blown me away. You know when he when he you know even even stellar movies like Highlander, <laughs> he's you know and even <laughs> the Bond films and. You know, entrapment, entrapment. Yeah, you yeah. love the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You that's the that one tattoo. I was trying to avoid. Yeah, <laughs> I like his career, mate. I do like Connery. And I like how renowned he is because everyone can do, everyone can do a, a, a piss poor attempt at his accent. Yes, is is you don't do like Billy Connolly, you do Sean Connery. That's who you aim for. But it's weird, isn't it, that he's in The Rock, but perfectly cast as the MI6 agent who's quite clearly not James Bond, but is James Bond, who's been incarcerated by the uh, federal government. I love that. I think that's brilliant. I I want to see that more in film. So obviously, because of licensing, they could at no point go, "This is James Bond." He's not James Bond. However, you as an audience member. It's James Bond. Not four four breaks as well. There's a there's a line when he's in the prison when he's asked, um, he's excited, they're under the tunnels, and he gets asked, Oh, where uh, why do you seem to be enjoying this, Mason? He says, Oh, it's better than my usual day, you know, not getting stabbed or raped in the showers mm. in prison. And then he, and he kind of looks to the audience and goes, Oh, that doesn't seem to be a problem at the time because he'd won like the last eight sexiest men alive competitions. That year is the one he didn't win. All right. So that's where that line comes from. It's really cool, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of writing, a lot of coolness. But I guess the question is, does the film hold up? Just one point before we get into it, though. Yeah. Wouldn't it have been cooler if it was Clint Eastwood? Famously because being in the, the movie Escape from Alcatraz. Escape from Alcatraz. It would have done, but I'm opposite of you. I love Sean Connery. I think it's just Sean Connery's voice rolls off like, I don't know, Perspex. It's so clean and see-through. It's just gorgeous. It's, it's, there's something that I like Sean Connery and I, I wouldn't say he's the best actor in anything <clears throat> but then you do hear some stories about like in the in the 50s a mobster came in and tra- interrupted a scene and he smacked the mobster around he's like I ain't finished this scene yet so so he was a was a genuine personality <laughs> there was something about him and, I, and I'm engaged by him I'm enthralled by him I just think there's a there's a scene though where in the Clint Eastwood's version of this film in, yeah. a, in, a, in a different universe where you know they do all the dangerous stuff they get to Alcatraz you've then got that that weird tunnel that they have to roll through with all the fire and the yeah. two spinning cocks, which is under every building, yes. all that fire. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, 
And I just wish they looked at Clint Eastwood at that point and went, so uh, what do we do from here? And he just goes, oh, no, I made a paper mache head. That's what I was going to say. Well, so later they just made paper mache heads to get out the cell. I, I how, in, how in Zeus's ball did you go out yourself? He's like, have you got any paper mache? It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got any meat pockets. Yeah. You've got, you got, got a wig? <laughs> so, just shave your leg yeah. and sprinkle it. Yeah, I've just been, I, for, for six months I was smuggling dirt into the, uh, into the yard through, through my trouser leg and then paper mache head once you know <laughs> they gave me the head start at that point they're like I'd oh, watch right. that <laughs> and then the movie changes and they have to take him with him and he's a complete unreliable draining of resource that or Red from Shawshank Redemption or or the other character said, yeah. so he's always like how did you get out of here he's like well I did his taxes <laughs> how, in, how in Zeus's butthole did you get out of your, did you put the poster back on the wall <laughs> when you got out of the hole <laughs> it's one of cinema's greatest mysteries if you don't get that reference it's Shawshank one of the big you know it's, it's often classed as one of the greatest movies of all time it's one of the highest decorated movies on IMDb but the big mystery is how did how did Andy Dufresne put the poster back on the wall after he went through the hole? Magic, mate. <laughs> it's, it's magic. <laughs> but if you go down this light, no, no, get get fucking Gary Oldman. He's like, how did you escape? <laughs> Ask about which one? Ask about. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. How Zeus's ball did you escape those demands? I didn't think of any happy thoughts. <laughs> anyway, you ready, mate? Ready? Yes, I'm I start. Am. Start for the rock. I don't have to do the script. I don't have to do it. Right. So the film opens showing the burial of US soldiers while General Hubble dons his dress uniform. Overplayed is the Mayday cause of soldiers and a congressional hearing where the general pleads for it to stop. It's not stopping, mate. It's raining. In that of scene. course it's raining. It is raining <laughs> in that it's scene. Raining. Next, the general visits his wife's grave and explains he can't do it anymore. He can't take it and he has to make them listen. Something he couldn't do while she was alive. And I, you just think, oh, that's a good start. <laughs> Just like that, he's like, "Oh, it's so bad. You, you have to be dead for this." He's just like, "What are you going to do?" Well, you're about to find out. Don't lie about, mate. At a weapons depot, the general and a squad of highly trained marines use non-lethal means because obviously it's got to be used non-lethal means to subdue several guards and steal fifteen missiles loaded with VX poison gas, losing one man in the process. You need to have a nice round number fifteen. Mm. You knew you were going to lose one. Go for sixteen. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that because it's like sixteen wouldn't quite work. Fifteen's a nice, nice number. Mm. Go for sixteen because then it's all right if you lose one. <laughs> Just, that's, that scene is horrific as well. It's though, horrific. So because you you really see the damage of what this chemical can do. So the basically boils your skin alive and makes your nervous system crack down. It's a great thing where David Morse basically locks him in watches him die and it's because it's because he owes him because he's done something for him so he watches him he gives him the respect he watches him or if Morse is a fucking psychopath <laughs> <laughs> he's like that's right boy he's that's a, you know I can't move because of this erection <laughs> <laughs> and he tells everyone to evac watches and then Ed Harris, there's this really weird scene where Ed Harris watches David Morse watch another man melt <laughs> <laughs> And we've got to say, I love this film. All of this is pissed hate. This is, we, I love this film. This film's great. Um, next up, so you've got men, you've got military men. You need a weak man. You need your, you need your normal man, your straight man. It's Stanley Godspeed, who is goofing off, playing games and spending $600 on a Beatles LP. For his time as well. Mm. LPs came back. They're probably, what, the highest music, physical media that they sell now? But even still, $600 for, uh, that's for the That's what I was going to ask you. 
That's what I was going to ask you. Six hundred dollars seems excessive. And he says, "Why do you get it sent here?" It's like, "Oh, because Scarlett would have a go." Yeah, you're fucking too <laughs> right. You, Six hundred. How much are you? How much dollar is that man crushing? But the, yeah, I mean, there is a there, uh, so yes, there is a Beatles vinyl that is incredibly uh, the Abbey Road uh, Beatles album. The, the original copies where Paul McCartney is holding a cigarette. Later on, uh, they've digitally removed said cigarette from the Abbey Road front cover. But if you've got an original vinyl with that, yeah, I think it is worth a little bit. <laughs> he's, buying, he's buying the White Album, so all right. <laughs> but um, what I love about this is he set up a mousetrap. So he set up a, an intricate design which will set fire to a hula woman. Bit weird, mm. but, you know, obviously not a lot to do. So what is he doing when he's not goofing around? Well... Turns out he's only a chemical weapon specialist whose job it is is to defuse chemical weapons and be an all-round good guy. Mm. Turns out that crate has been brought in, filled with porn, a gas mask and a baby doll. <clears throat> the gas mask I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Right, so bear in mind this is... Right, so spoilers, <laughs> there's something in here. There's a gas. I don't know who they thought... How did they think they were going to get this through customs? They're like, right, we'll put a bit of porn in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gas mask. Yeah, what else? Our baby doll. <laughs> Just what the fuck? <laughs> Who are you sending this crate to? I like, I like this bit as well, where it's like, uh, yeah, they look at the, that, the gas mask and they throw it to one side. It's the porn. It's like, I need to respect this book. Uh, I'm just, give me 20 minutes. I'd like, yeah, that's a good point. So there's two things here. So there's a trainee with him and the trainee mate looks at the porn and he looks at the doll and the gas mask couldn't give a flying fuck about. Um, I, uh, so, uh, while the trainee pisses about with the doll, it begins to release a corrosive gas that eats at the suits, as well as starting a bomb that will destroy the entire building. Who's there, mate? It's only Sim's favourite, Xander Berkeley, showing out instructions to inject a fucking needle a mile long into his heart. The yeah. idea was that he wouldn't die from the pa- uh, from the gas there. Also, in the water, mate, as you, you want Adam and believe it, it's not working. It's not running. There's no water there to, to douse the, the corrosiveness. And I'll give him credit, actually. Get the fuck away from me for this, that thing. This, yeah, this bit works really well because you have to have a bit of tension in the beginning of your movie. You yeah, have you, to show that he's good under pressure. You need to show that he's the one of the best at his field because yeah. otherwise he is a fish out of water. When and it you comes need later. the needle in the heart bit because that is going to come back. Because that comes up later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at what point are we going to need the needle in the heart? Wait, just put it in the beginning somewhere. Yeah. But it is, I mean, and it is Michael Bay's shot. There are scenes in this, the cinematography, you know, like, it's not enough to be in the room while like the countdown's happening, the sprinklers are The, the cameraman needs to have done a fucking chill. You need to do a, free, a 360, like it's bullet time, around the and there's lights going off. And I never thought in my entire life I'd spend, in a three-minute scene, about a minute of it, focused in on a sprinkler not injecting water. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, he loves a sprinkler not doing shit. I do like I do like the bit though where the, where the trainee goes up to Nick Cage with the needle and he's like, get that thing away from me. And then, and then Nick Cage is trying to defuse it. And yeah. then the trainee's just banging on the glass going, you want to inject me to inject this? Are you fucking not? Are you fucking what? <laughs> what I love about as well as well, um, is Andrew Berkeley and co. They're just like, we're so dead. <laughs> we're not going to make it. But it's fine. This, this, after an intense day, so he diffuses it after an intense day, he goes home to wax lyrical about this doomed world he meets his girlfriend and he, what does he say? He says, says, anyone thinking about bringing a child into this world should definitely be charged with endangerment. Oh dear. Oh mate, she's only, only pregnant. Put the guitar down, Cage. Put a shirt on. It doesn't need to, it's a stressful day. It's the nice, mate. Hairy chest. Come 2000s, every that- bloke's waxing their chest. It's Marvel, mate. Find me a hairy chest in Marvel. No, I can't. I reckon Iron Man probably does. Probably. Stop chafing. Just a little bit though. Pepper Potts. <laughs> a bit of vagina wag. <laughs> the general 
and his squad are having a relaxing vacation around Alcatraz before the tour gets too much and he locks everyone up and brings in choppers filled with more Marines. There's a great scene here where apparently on scene as well, the, the tour guide couldn't stop making Ed Harris laugh. Mm. And I just think that that after what I then saw, that's a dangerous thing. Ed Harris probably took him up back and beat the piss off. Yeah. <laughs> took him around the back of Connery's hut. <laughs> um, they set up several defensive positions around the site, including custom equipment that no one else knows about. The general explores why, uh, explains why they're doing this to the men, that CIA and politicians have ignored the deaths of US soldiers on covert missions. He demands $100 million, which we will divide between the family of the bereaved and his men. If they don't do this, he will release 15 VX poison gases into the nearby city of San Francisco, killing thousands, hundreds of thousands. Alcatraz stayed open to the public during it this. It did, until at one point it didn't. Mm. Yeah, there you go, yeah, it stayed open. So you could actually go and watch The Rock being filmed. That's weird, isn't it? I would have loved that. I, that's the sort of shit that's amazing. I don't like when they shut down like London to make Star Wars, but I guess, I don't know where I'm going with this. I would think it would be really cool to just watch a bit of it. I know you can't and it's ridiculous yeah. and stuff, but I'd say it would be cool to kind of see it. Mm. Um, <clears throat> so next, we, and I like this, so we now need to be introduced to a lot more characters. So the general explains all of this to a group of US military men, the FBI director and the White House Chiefs of Staff. And he fucking destroys them and annihilates them, telling them that all of these covert missions have been going on so long that they were done before the White House Chief of Staff was even born. Like this, you need, to, and also he's a man of honour. So there's other generals in there that agree with Hummel. They just say it's not the right way to go about it, Frank. But they don't give a shit. I do like this bit as well, where he's like, identify yourself, and yes. they have to like read out who they are in the room. And you're fucking pandering to him a lot, though. Mm. Like General Sir, keep calling him General Sir. I do like this bit. I think. Ed Harris is a good villain. Uh, you know, I, I think he's the right villain for this. Yeah, he's a good yeah. 90s villain because you get a lot of, if you look at a lot of stuff with like Steven Seagal at that time, it's just, an un, <laughs> it's just an unhinged villain, you know, who who got fired and now has grown up to be, you know, someone really. Oh, you talking about Under Yeah, yeah, too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But um, do you know what I mean? Like, this this is actually someone who's like, I've got to do something terrible because You've of done the betrayal. Terrible. Yes. You know, and. The ends justify the means. That's essentially what this film entirely is. It does, but it doesn't boil down to sentient robots from fucking Megatron's nipples. It genuinely comes to, you've betrayed the US military. The mm. US military are going to betray you. Yeah. And I like that. The whole end is justify the means. And how it fractures throughout the film is really cool as well. I mm. like it. I think the setup so far, beautiful. I think, yeah, so far <laughs> in this movie, it's, it's going well. Um, so after he hangs up on them, they discuss possible countermeasures, including thermite plasma, which is still in the testing phase. This method would only destroy the island, killing the 81 hostages. Um, so it's a back burner, and also it's still in production. They don't know if it worked. The other option is a ground assault using Navy SEALs. They ask FBI Director Warmack who is the best chemical agent is, and you'll never guess what, it's Stanley, now, who's currently having sex on a rooftop. Now, if you were if you were in that room and Jack Bowers in that room, 100% Jack Bowers like, just blow the island up. Just, well, actually, that's the point I was going to make. This is a 90s conundrum. Because nowadays, you could, you'd just be like, I don't care, nuke the fuck. Yeah, 81 versus 100,000. Nuke him. See ya. <laughs> just, yeah. That's, All right. The upkeep of that fucking island's enough anyway. But that's that's actually genuinely the point, is this wouldn't happen nowadays. Nowadays, you'd be like, you'd, we as a humans have evolved in the last 20 years to just go, yeah, fuck them. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah it's fine. bad day for a tour. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to it, there is... there. There is a scene where where they're all locked up and there's a member of the public and giving abuse going, why are you shooting with your gun? He's like, I don't have a gun. It's like, motherfucker, I've got a gun. <laughs> <laughs> it's the little bits that I like. The only option 
to limit casualties is for the SEALs to go through the pipes and attack the Marines from within. But Alcatraz is a maze of bullshit and no one knows what's going on down there. But wait a second. Walmack might know a guy. <gasps> a man whose identity was taken from him. A man so dangerous he's escaped several high-security prisons, including Alcatraz. It's only James Bond. No, I mean John Mason. <laughs> John Mason was an SAS agent who stole J. Edgar Hoover's microfilm that showed people behind the JFK assassination and the Roswell landing. He was caught and held without trial for over 30 years. What I love about here is this is it. This is one of the best introductions, I think, to any character up there with Indiana Jones, which I still maintain is the best one. I genuinely think he's a top five. You hear about everything, all his exploits. You see an old man with long hair walked like through a chain and this was the beginning of the trailer do you, remember, did you ever see the trailer yeah yeah it was like he escaped multiple prisons but now he needs to and you'd never saw Sean Connery's face until like right at the end oh for me Sean Connery not he looked good with long hair it like does well. look good with it, long hair I know it's a grunge thing but it does look good you you see how mate yeah it, yeah, yeah but I do I do I remember thinking yeah, spoilers he gets his hair cut before yeah, he needs to look his best when he goes back to Alcatraz and um <laughs> I don't know why no one tells him. It's like, I want a haircut and a suite at the Vermont. And no one goes, we'd rather be knee deep in shit. Yeah. <laughs> so that, the feel of a suit. <laughs> you don't need a suit where you're going, son. You need a wet suit. <laughs> also, he's like, we'll do it for four hours. What? He only gets like a suit for four hours. Yeah. He's like, well, take off. <laughs> well, can you imagine being warm up going to that hotel? Yeah, I need a room for four hours. Yeah. And then just Connery's next to you. Like, he's like, we don't need it much longer. <laughs> just, just, can we do it by the hour? No, no go to the motel, you dirty bastard. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's brought in for interrogation, but gives nothing to the agent in charge. Walmack sends in Stanley, who understands all of Mason's references. So Mason's making a lot of references to people imprisoned falsely. Before leaving, the agent throws a quarter to Mason to ring his lawyer. One of the dumbest decisions in film history, because they've held him without trial. Who is he going to ring? <laughs> also, there's, this comes up late, and I haven't really explained it, because I don't know how. They deleted his identity. They only deleted the name form, they, they only deleted the name section of the form, because later, when they try to find out who he is, they put in other information. It's like, I've got everything here. got date of birth, got a, got a hometown, but no name. So all it did was like, search George John Mason, delete. <laughs> Kept everything else. I do, I do like this bit as well though, when, when Cage when Cage goes in and Cage, you know Cage is good at this. Like I mean, I, and I say good as in he's good at it, it, it. Yeah. yeah, but I mean it is a bit hammy. You know how he's like, "Where's your gun in my sock drawer?" You know all that kind of. But this bit as well, when he goes in, he goes coffee. He goes, "No thanks." <laughs> and he's like, "No, you offer me a coffee." I like that's this. one of my favourite fucking bits of this whole movie. It's coffee, just the way no, Cage good, goes. No, alright. <laughs> my my favourite thing is as well is surely you would have put someone with him because no one else is there. And he's like. Uh, Prisoner is requested, he takes his handcuffs off, mm. and everyone else goes, No, no, no. And he goes, Why don't you take his handcuffs off? And no one at any point just knocks on the glass and goes, No, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that, you idiot. Um, Stanley allows the handcuffs to come off, gets him a coffee, and the two engage in bants, mate, in bants. Mason pushes Godspeed's buttons, trying to suss him out. Stanley stands up for this because he was told to hide his speciality and pretends to be a counter terrorism agent. Trained in Mortal Kombat. Knows, mm. all, knows all the fatalities. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> well, He's got a cheat code. So. <laughs> <coughs> uh, but basically, Stanley agrees to all of Mason's demands, including a few hours in a hotel suite and a haircut. Mason signs a full pardon in exchange for getting the team into Alcatraz. Stanley leaves the room and gives the agreement to Walmack, who tears it up instantly. Meanwhile... Mason has, I've always wanted to know I did this, has damaged the quarter, scars the one-way mirror and breaks through. Yeah. Do it. 
Womack. Why am I not surprised, you piece of shit? And also, what's also a really good point here to be is, is um, did you know that Nicolas Cage, Godspeed doesn't swear throughout the film? The most he comes to is Zeus's butthole. Zeus's butthole, yeah. And the other one is, he does say a gee whiz at one point. He, his, his character wouldn't swear He's, is what yeah. he said, so he decided to amend his script. He, he, and I think it worked. It, I like this bit as well where... Uh, the Zeus is bottle bit, we, like some of the trivia around it, it's like, that was ad-libbed. Well, of course it is, because no one else other than Nicolas Cage is <laughs> saying say that. Zeus is You're going to type that into the script. Also, I do like the Nicolas Cage, going back to his character, being like the good boy, like the bit when Walmart recruits him and he's like, you know, and he's asking oh, about... Oh, he tells him VX gas and, yeah, he, and he's talking about champagne. He's the champagne like analogy. analogy. And, yeah. and, that, and, and then it cuts back, he's like, no, the gas, he's like, it's bad. It's one of the and things he, you wish you could all invent. And that is a great line. It that is. is a great line. It, and <laughs> so Stanley has I don't know about you my favourite bit's coming up here in the hotel suite Stanley gets a gun begs his girlfriend not to come to San Francisco while Mason is in the shower he steals some rope and in brackets hopefully Aaron can explain what this is the rope is a washing line for people that are washing their clothes in the sink of the hotel and I, only, and, I, and, I, and I think I think it kills someone in Final Destination. That's the cord that wraps around the chap's neck in the first day. But I've been in a hotel room where I was like, I literally went, oh yeah, that's in the rock. Oh, it's a washing, it's a temporary washing line. Right. He also orders a ton of room service. The barber arrives. No, no scissors, mate. Will they tell Picasso no brush? What a line. We've just gone from, it's something we wish could, we could re- disinvent or uninvent to... Uh, <laughs> What's he say? No scissors. No scissors. He goes, no scissors. With these scissors, he could kill you. He's like, I couldn't cut your balls off with a razor. <laughs> I, I, he yeah. goes, no scissors. They tell Picasso no flies. He's like, there's a slight difference. <laughs> Why is he not handcuffed? <laughs> you can just handcuff him to that chair and put the sheet over him for his dignity. Why? No, but you know what I mean? Like, well, I like this. I'm with the hairdresser. I like this. There's a bit before this when the two old men are discussing why Mason's not really a threat. One of them says, I have to get up three times during the night to take a piss. That is- <laughs> <laughs> well, that's fine. No handcuffs. <laughs> I mean, if he needs to pee more, he's not a danger. I, I reckon the hairdresser should have been sassy here. And he already is the most sassy thing in this film. But he's like, uh, do they tell Picasso no brush? And then the bit when so Warmark's- do, do we have any time for like Vermin packs? And he's like, no. <laughs> the bit when Warmark's like, no, no, this guy could kill you with a pair of scissors fucking I wish the guy went oh I'll fucking close my eyes as well then <laughs> I'll, I'll, you know I'll do it on one foot <sighs> Mason asks if Womack is going to give him his life back now which Womack agrees to even go so far as to shake Mason's hand but shy a surprise he lassoes Womack's hand and throws him over the balcony which they did without closing anything down. So the hotel in question got a lot of phone calls. So there's a guy hanging from your balcony Genius. doing this stunt. That's really cool. Now, now this is where this is, right, is my favourite bit. Due to all the agents eating the food, only Stanley is there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're all just like, like at no point someone got this guy's really dangerous. Oh, but cheesecake. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I think they're eating shrimp. Drop the gun or I'll drop your boss. The most badass line, <laughs> you will not. <laughs> you will not. <laughs> like, Connery's like, oh, you got me there. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> yeah, just, Stay on, mate. Yeah, hold oh. on, just talk me through this. Um, I, I like how he ties him to the leg of a plaggy wooden chair. It's my favourite thing next to, I mean, we, all, we know Die Hard is a perfect movie. But I do, I, every time I watch Die Hard and I think of the scene when he's hanging off the edge of the building with the, uh, with the hose around his waist. Yes. And the, the hose those... reel falls off the wall. Yeah. But somehow doesn't go off the edge of the building immediately. It no. kind of gets hooked yeah. just before. 
very realistic. And this is the other one where he like fucking ties it to the like to the leg of a wooden chair. Don't even try it. Just wraps it, doesn't it? He lets him go, forcing Stanley to catch the rope, and Mason is off. Stanley chases him through the hotel kitchen, smashing literally every plate ever made. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mason eventually makes it outside where he steals a Humvee, but Stanley is in hot pursuit by commandeering a Ferrari. During the chase, Mason rings up information and gets an address on his daughter. Mason leads them through a merry trip around San San Francisco, somehow ramming into parked cars that get in the way of the pursuers in a feat of defying physics. Yeah. If I hit this hard enough, the cast behind me won't survive. But don't question me because it works. <laughs> that, that whole scene is um, Nicolas Cage like insisting doing all the driving stunts, didn't he? Yeah, that's cool. He's a, he's a he's a car nut, obviously leading to the movie uh, Gone, Gone in 60, 60 Seconds. seconds. But um, yeah, he did a lot of the car work himself. And that scene is... Again, it's like, oh, I won't swear because I'm a good boy, but I will drive through a fucking building yes. in the pursuit of a person who is trained to kill. <laughs> Also, in the end, Mason hits a tram that comes off the rail, killing several people. Stanley's Ferrari is in the way, and he barely escapes. Man, you just fucked up your Ferrari. It wasn't mine. It wasn't mine. And neither's this. (laughs) Steals a dirt bike. Stanley steals the young man's dirt bike and follows Mason to a meeting that he set up with his estranged daughter. How does Stanley know this? Well, he does basic detective work. (laughs) Does anyone locally know Mason? Yeah, he's got one person whose daughter lives here. I will go there. The rest of the FBI, mate, not a clue. Not a clue. Basic detective work. Mason explains to his daughter that he isn't a bad man, but his daughter doesn't have fond memories of him. Eventually, the police show up, but Stanley covers for Mason, telling his daughter that Mason is working for the FBI. Like this, Godspeed is a good guy. Mm. Do like that. He's like, no, because basically, because he's... Come out of prison so many times, Mason's been re-caught and dragged back to jail. That's what she assumes is going on, and that's exactly what happens. Please show up to this park. They're all flooding in, but still Godspeed. Stanley Godspeed comes up and like, no, he's actually working for us. Yeah, he's like, come on, well, John. <laughs> yeah. Got to get to it. But the daughter must be thick. Yes, oh, definitely. He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because every time I go to work, all these helicopters turn up. <laughs> My favourite thing is she also takes a second one with him, and um, she takes a second a friend with her, and then Sean Connery looks at them both and goes, you my daughter? And it's like, no, that one. He's like, shit. <laughs> it's like, damn it. <laughs> it's like, shot my shot. I, I thought you would be the better one. <laughs> um, as Mason can't read the blueprints, he's joining them on the mission. As is Stanley, who is violently sick at the thought of going on the mission. The mission requires the guidance chips from each rocket being destroyed. So the missiles will just splash in the ocean. Once this threat has been neutralized, they then need to release green gas. Because if you miss this one line, the end of the film doesn't make any sense. Which is when I first watched it, I didn't understand. I was like, where the fuck does this come from? You need the flare, yeah. You need the flare. <laughs> the seals travel under the under the water to the prison and enter a room with no doors. The only gap is a hole in a furnace type thing that breathes fire and has rotating blades of death in this prison that hasn't been active for over 70 years. <laughs> the, the, this prison, which... It's like a wacky warehouse of minecarts, of fire tunnels, and yeah. showers. <laughs> like, just... What I love about the showers as well is the water literally drips into fucking nothing. Yeah, there's like no one ever waterfall as well at one point. <laughs> Mason goes in alone, and after several minutes, the seals give up hope, believing Mason to have died or left the film. But oh no, he opens the door. Welcome to the rock. 
Now he guides them through the maze of tunnels underneath the prison where Mason and Stanley chat about reading and potential prison rape. As the SEALs enter the shower room, they accidentally set off one of those custom pieces of equipment we've heard so much about. Yep. Alerts John C. McGinley, mate. They silently gather around the room from an elevated position and wait till the SEALs are fully in the room before they make themselves known. I love this scene. He doesn't want to kill him and they don't want to be shot. And there is a great back and forth here now between Michael Ben, the leader of the Navy SEALs, telling him, I agree with you. What you're doing we is... Spoke, we spoke blood on the same mud. There you go. And Ed Harris doesn't want to shoot these people. Mm. But it knows, because basically Michael Ben is an honourable man, that he will not surrender and he will not give us men. He will not give them more hostages. He will not back down. Ed Harris realises that he's going to lose this fight. But also he starts losing the argument. And then right at the end of it, he flips. He just goes... You walked into the wrong room. I'm up here and you're down there. And it's a great bit where he knows, and I genuinely might have been thinking too much into this, the writing shows that he knows he's wrong. His turn is now. Like he's already knows that he can't do it because he, he, he's, he's, he's run out of an argument yeah, already. Yeah. He's lost to Michael Bien in a in a conversation. There's only one alternative. He has to shoot all of the US and the Navy. Mm. I think it's a really powerful scene. And the music, and this is something that comes up, it doesn't come up in action films. The music's brilliant in the rock. It's so good, so powerful. And then there's a, a Navy SEAL who's actually looking after Mason and Stanley because they're the specialists. They haven't gone up into the tunnels. He stays with them. There's a scene where Gosby's pleading with him. He's like, no, don't go up there. As all of his friends have been shot and killed because someone, because it's so tense, a brick falls, and they all just start shooting. Well, the, all, all the others are trigger happy. Yes, they want to And, and this is the them. thing. You've got, a, you've got a noble villain surrounded by psychopaths. And that's that's the thing, isn't it? John C. McGinley, maybe not, but certainly Tony Todd. Tony Todd and his friend. Yeah, <laughs> they are, are, they're, they're blood, they've got bloodlust. And they, because they, they, it keeps coming to them and they're like, let's push these fuckers. And then one of them pushes the brick, doesn't it, which triggers, which sounds like a gunshot and triggers the, the slaughter. But, and also, first time watching it, you're like, shit. Yeah. That's the, they're the experience, they're the good, they're the ones that are supposed to take them to the bombs to disarm them. And then the then the film changes. The the dynamic of the film completely changes on its head, and this is clever writing because now you've gone you've gone from the they are on their own. You know, someone who's exper extremely unexperienced because they've been incarcerated for years, and a person who doesn't know how to fire a gun but knows how to disarm the rockets. Chalk yes. and cheese relationship. The film spins on its head for so much the better. I know it's horrible to say it, but I like it. it from <laughs> I'm here like onwards. all these people are dead. Yeah. Well, it makes more sense <laughs> it just being them too. Because that now the odds are even greater against them, and this is arguably where the film starts, really. Because what you've had so far is, I, I do think you need the bit of adversity in San Francisco. Maybe it goes on for too long, but so far I'm not sick of this film. It's all been pretty good, all pretty spotlighted. I'm loving this film. Yeah, if 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 the <clears> film started here with them turning up, you've got a Metal Gear Solid movie. No, no, no. first Metal Gear Solid, you 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 are underwater going to the island where the terrorists have got the nuclear weapons on. And the game starts with you coming out of the water on the island. This could have been Metal Gear Solid, James. That's what I'm saying. Maybe it started off as that way. But then they were like, how do we get Sean Connery into it? Anyway, <clears throat> Mason and Stanley decide to leg it. Stanley talks with the support team who tell him to go back and get Mason back on this mission ASAP. And then he's like, he's got a problem. He's, he's got a gun. Mm. What, do you have a fucking water pistol? At the time, yes, because he brings it out of the water. And that's a little nod there. <laughs> Also, I know we've skipped past it, but you know the tunnel scene where he says, have a nice day, and he pulls the balaclava down over his face? Yeah. Those cogs w are turning something. They're yeah. machinery. And yeah. fire is... So someone's someone's turned that on. Well, uh, this is this is my argument to it. Ed Harris's men are a bit bored. 
they might have turned something on. Like, let's even get the TV to work. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> so, we might be here for a few days. Could yeah. start stinking. Do you want to put the boiler on, get a bit of hot water, catch me in the shower? Yeah, 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 that's what I'm going with. Yeah. And then maybe that's... But now there's 15 dead blokes in the shower, so yeah, probably don't want like, to use that oh, one. Yeah, fuck, it's going to stink now. <laughs> but, do you know what I mean? That would, that, would, that, would, that would indicate that something is turned on at Alcatraz. Yeah, well, the... Um, the gift shop. <laughs> no, I was going to say the mining tunnels that they use later. <laughs> because that's the only thing that makes sense, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they 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 have a fight with Mason. Basically, beats Stanley near to death. He just can't get in. Stanley tells Mason the truth about the VX poison gas and the hostage situation. At the same time, the Marines start hunting them as they realise some Marines escaped. While Mason and Stanley argue about what to do, Mason's throw no part napalm and explosives at the pair. That's a good scene. They've got a rat problem. Burn them out. These, these explosions over a diamond underwater. Except for. If you'd done any sort of reconnaissance mission on this island, you'd know that you could literally just go under the water to survive mm. this. So dumb. <laughs> it's pretty stupid. Um, as they survive, Stanley convinces Mason to help him. During their walk to the morgue, where the majority of the missiles are being held, they chat some more about being ready and fucking from Queens, <laughs> which is actually a good line because Stanley's a good guy and he's like, I'll try my best. It's like, losers whine about their worst. I fucking I'm trying not to do an accent. Winners go in and fuck the prom queen. What a great time to cock your gun now. <laughs> <laughs> Part Carla was the prom queen. Oh, really? <laughs> now, this depends. What happens next is which version you've seen. If you've seen the edited version, he now goes in and kills people. If you don't, you see a very particularly vicious scene where Mason throws a knife into a gentleman's throat, tells yeah. him not to hesitate. That's not on every cut, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say there is there is a there is a watered down version, isn't there? Yes, because they're not. He tells mate. He tells um, Stanley never to hesitate. Mm. But if you don't have a certain edit, that actually doesn't come up until much later, where he says he hesitated, and you're like, well, what, what does that mean? It only means sense if you've seen this version. Yeah, there you go. And I had to point out, he says he hesitated, and he also hesitates because another guy <laughs> doesn't shoot. <laughs> he hesitates, <laughs> so he could say don't hesitate. Anyway, don't get into it, mate. Um, bit of a shootout. Good time to talk about the action. It's very... I liked it. It's a lot of shooting back and forth. It's a lot of stupid decisions, but ultimately they're going for that they're evenly matched because there's US Marines and there is um, Navy SEALs. I know they're out of it this time, but that's what they're going for. They're going for context of there's no... They're all highly trained. So there's a stalemate a lot of the time. There's always a bit of action. So Mason underhanded tactics. And I don't know if they go for... So he's SAS trained. He's a, he's a spy. And he kind of shoots their feet. And then when they're laying on the ground, we'll shoot something above them so it'll fall and kill them. Weirdly less honourable. He's very more tricky. But maybe that's the only way he can fight against the uh, government-trained Marines. I don't know if that was actually genuinely something they were specifically going for. Mm. Or if I've read way too much in the 997 film, The Rock. I, 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 feel, I feel like we need to... Uh, 996 film. 996, I apologise. But I feel like we need to uh, you know, remind ourselves this is a Michael Bay movie. Oh yeah, so, it's, it, so it could also be it just could be just someone just someone went oh we've got this really cool effect that makes someone's foot look like it's been shot yes yeah, so let's use that right okay but I do, yeah I, I do I like I like that whole morgue scene you know when they go to the morgue um, and then somehow end up at the underground mine yes well also what, what I love about this is because 15's a lot 12 of the missiles are here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, well, like, they're like, for fuck's sake. Yeah, yeah, just... It would have made sense if they sold three. <laughs> but it's like, no, 15, I'll oh, fuck it, 12 Actually, of them are that, here. to be fair, that would have been better, wouldn't it? Is that there's three on the island. But then, yeah, but then, and also, 
quite unguarded. Than- well, it's actually, it's actually a point <laughs> that I'm going to bring up later. But but they these missiles are literally the only thing stopping them. They did a very poor job of, of any of them. Yeah. So if these two had two people guarding them, they're dead. And now there's enough time for Stanley to deactivate all fucking 12. Yeah. And destroy the chips. So he destroys the... Oh, no, he takes them out. Yeah. There are three left to deactivate <coughs> and the Marines follow the pair uh, into a 50s mining station. Which is on. Mason kills Dr. Cox and Stanley finally kills a man with a badass pose. So mm. this is where Stanley takes his first life. And the music that plays is, I swear to God, it's so similar to the music in Con Air. He, likes it. he falls out of one of the mining cart units. He, he puts his legs so far apart, gets his gun ready. And Mason's been strangled and he lifts his head. Just Gosby enough. takes the shot. Kills his first man. Don't bring up again. He's <laughs> actually quite right with taking the human yeah. life. So. Yeah, he's like, oh yeah, I've just uh, got a bit of flavour for this. Now <laughs> I want to rocket someone out of the building. <laughs> I can't wait to do it. Then he starts writing his lines. He's like, I'll get Elton John in it. <laughs> get Rocket Man. In response, General Hummel threatens to execute a hostage unless he gets the guidance ships back. When Stanley worries, love this bit, because this is something that would definitely happen now, and I think maybe this was the first time, Mason destroys the chips. Mm. Mason knows that they can't give the chips back no matter what, so Pop he destroys them. And, and it's, it is, yeah, and because of the nature of the films, you'd argue that maybe Godspeed gives them back because he wants to save the life. Mm. But he doesn't. He gets them destroyed and he just, and Mason decides to hand himself in. Love meanwhile, this scene. Meanwhile, Stanley finds one of the remaining rockets and is able to deactivate it. And then the Marines who were looking at top come and game. Yeah. So he deactivates the ship, takes the guidance ship, and then they go... Oh, we, we were watching you. <laughs> they take it and then they have a yeah, bit of a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're like, they watched him do that. <laughs> they have a bit of fun. <laughs> they were like, so he's on 12, let him do 13. Yeah. It's one lucky number. <laughs> I do I do love the bit though when Mason walks out and Ed Harris is like, who are you? And then they had that little trade-off. It's fun. That's one of the best scenes. Um, It is my f- uh, it is my favourite scene. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, I, I think this is actually very strong writing where he says, I'm all that's left of the enemy. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Fucking can't do it. It's like, I thought I was in the service long enough. And he's like, I used to be a member here. And then he calls his bluff. He says, where are the guys chips? Well, I destroyed them. He's like, mm. get fucked. I destroyed them. And then he just goes, does that mean you'll kill us both then? And he's like, ooh, mm. you little bugger, you. But there's some great, there's great chemistry there. And it is an awesome, like when he just shows up as well, Sean Connery's badass when he just shows up with his hands up. More mm. that's left of the enemy. Yeah. <sighs> SAS trained. I yeah. fucking, I love Mason. I think Mason's generally one of the baddest Badass characters of all time. Absolutely adore this man. Um, sorry, two seconds. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. That's what I was going to say. It's like I don't know how you. That's the line I was yeah. trying to find. It's like I don't know how you honor the death of millions by killing a few other thousands. Yeah. Personally, I think you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> they are housed in jail where Mason is able to escape, just like he did several decades ago. Um, what I don't understand is so what he does is he uses his bed linen. And he ties he ties it to the end of a padlock and swings it across the basically room to a, a a thing like a lever and pulls it and it opens the door. What I don't understand about this: if you're a guard on Alcatraz, how did you not notice a man <laughs> swinging a padlock? Just like, what are you doing? Yeah, stop it. Assume, assumingly, he didn't get it on the first hook. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know Unless I mean? he's really good. <laughs> also, these, I don't know what's going on with these fucking Marines, but they're like that guy just said that he was formerly incarcerated here. Mm. There's a reason they brought him. Fuck it, leave him alone. Yeah. <laughs> you, you've, you've got to go sit on your ass, mate. And that's what they do. The next thing you see the Marines, they're fucking laying down. Yeah, Mason's like, Mason's like, no, not this cell. Can you put me in that one? 
<laughs> Which one? No, no yeah, yeah, yeah this, one. this one. I'll go in this one. I'll yeah. go in the cell, please. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking hell, I left that turd in that toilet 70 years ago. <laughs> what I love about him as well is Mason, on his way to hand himself in, walks past the prisoners, but he's like, no, fuck him, you can stay. <laughs> Doesn't let him go. Oh. But now, he decides to leave as he saw in Hummel's eyes that he doesn't execute innocent people. He ain't got the balls to do it, but Stanley can't take that chance. And he goes on to save the day single-handedly. Mm. Well, this lasts about 30 seconds when he is caught and is about to be executed before Mason returns, snapping the soldier's neck and joining Stanley once more. But that's a, if, if, if they did part ways there, Mason's like, I've looked in his eyes, he ain't got the guts, this is all a from, yes. and it's not my fight. If he did actually then leave the film... That's actually a pretty good exit. Yeah. Because that, again, it's it, it's a character who has had his life taken from him. He has a shot of freedom. You would take it. And he's got the assurance that this guy's not got the bottle to go Looked through. Looked into his it. eyes, he's seen and his he's soul like, and he said it won't happen. Those 80-odd hostages, that's the government's problem. Yes. The government that turned its back on me. I, I actually think fucking brave if he had just swam off at this point. I, I, I also agree with you as well. I think that would have been awesome. <clears throat> but meanwhile, the president... Love this. This is a Michael Bay thing. You've got to have the president. It's always got to be mm. uh, Finley. He, this is like the fourth time he plays the president in one of these kind of yeah. films. He's also the president, I think, in Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> I like to think this is all the same universe. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy's like, oh, thank fuck. Oh, for fuck's sake, yeah. now what's happening? This has been a fucking tough four years. <laughs> <laughs> the president decides to launch the air assault to cover the island in thermite plasma, which will kill the Marines, Mason, Stanley, and the hostages, mm. which, which, like you said earlier, nowadays that that would have been that place would have been fucking on fire hours ago. Yeah, <laughs> they'd have gone eighty-one. Fuck him. And this is where they were over budgets. So they just used stock footage, wasn't it? Yeah, of the, all the planes and that. <laughs> but time's up, mate. Mm. Hummel launches a rocket as the timeline has passed. It heads into the heart of San Francisco. Bit of vision, mate. It's going. We see it nipping. We see it heading to the ball game. Yeah, Ooh, Sunday ball game. Sunday ball game. But the last possible moment, the general changes the coordinates and sends the missile out to sea. Cue some of the best acting you've ever seen from Tony Todd. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Smashes, starts he slamming He wanted death, didn't he? <laughs> he he's, still, he's still Candyman by this point. <laughs> fuck him. He said, come on, I've got a direction, do it. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I'm sorry. If I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what can I He's so upset. He's so upset. Yes. Do you know what I mean? No one's like, maybe this is a bad idea. Well, well, well I don't know about you, but I feel really comfortable that the people gardening our, guarding our freedoms from terrorists just want to kill us all. It's <laughs> the fucking I mean, slightest provocations. Like, yeah, fucking do it. <laughs> I, I assume this is a suicide mission as well, isn't it? Yeah, because because there's no exit strategy. No, there's no helicopters waiting on the southbound of the island. I think that's the. I think the the plan is. Well, that's what he says. He he says when he basically, um, sorry, he explains to his men that the U.S. government called his bluff when he never planned to kill hundreds of thousands of innocent people. The captains under his command disagree, (laughs) (laughs) and they're like. Oh no, we'll kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and they mutiny. And then you actually get a really good scene here, whereas I think David Watson would genuinely could be a fucking psychotic killer at any point. For no reason, because mm. only for the audience, double takes. He goes, it's like he said. And he points a gun at Ed Harris. The mission's over. And then turns to shoot and you're just like, you David Morse, you little cocktease. Yeah, yeah. But th- I'll tell you what, good thing there's a couple of bathtubs in this room. <laughs> there is, and, and I, he's lucky, And I remember it? watching the scene thinking, 
Can't imagine the people of Alcatraz going, do you want the shower? Can I have a bath tonight? <laughs> next next to all the beds as well. So yeah. people would watch it, just like, it's your turn to go in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Todd's there. It's <laughs> huge direction. <laughs> um, shy surprise, I'll show Mason... <laughs> Mason and Stanley to save Ed Harris who's dead by this point yeah. I like the fact that they wait until he's been shot several times they go like this game <laughs> yeah, and yeah they he's, try- had a, he's had a grenade thrown at him <laughs> um, they execute the general and the major but Mason and Stanley enter the room and get the location of the remaining rocket with Hummel's last breath but what I love about this is it's not his last breath because he starts going what have I done what have I done and if you were Mason you like would you shut the fuck <laughs> up and just tell me Stanley gets to the lower lighthouse where he turns the candy man into the rocket man. Yes. <laughs> and deactivates the remaining rocket while under heavy gunfire. But but there is a scene and it is Tony Todd doesn't want to shoot him because he wants because Tony Todd's not had enough blood lost. <laughs> Puts his gun down. And then um, Nicholas Cage is like, um, do you do you know how this shit works? So fucking Tony Todd pulls out a fucking giant knife. It's like, John, this shit works. I'm gonna skin you. And then they slowly rotate round a rocket. Stanley Gosby gets him exactly where he wants, mate. I know, but even like the ad-libbing and, you know, Cage says in the documentary about being intimidated by the, the being on screen with Connery. Yeah. And I imagine Cage does a lot of prep. He certainly always, although he's, he's, he always comes across as quirky and out of the box, he does strike me as someone who or who knows cinema back to front mm. and does his research. So if you're going to add live a load of lines like Zeus's butthole and then this bit where he's like, have you heard of the Rocket Man? <laughs> it, it just doesn't make sense. Do you know what I mean? Like, it would have been much better if he just went, see it, boom, and Arnold Schwarzenegger him out of the fucking seat. What, what I do like about this is if they had an option earlier when he spent £600 on an LP for the Beals, it would have made more sense it was fucking Horn John thus making the connection. To yeah. The, but that was like, Beals Maniac, have you heard the film, have you heard the song Rocket Man? I don't <laughs> listen to soft shit. It's like, I only bring it up because it's you. You're yeah. him. You're the Rocket Man. And at no point does Tony Todd go, I am stood in front of a rocket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. That scene wouldn't would make sense if he goes, have you, have you heard of, have you heard of yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> you of the yellow submarine. <laughs> He's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Mason saves his life yet again because Stanley's now under sniper fire. It's probably a good thing Mason did leave when we told him to. <laughs> but before um, Stanley can catch his breath, Captain Darrow catches up to him and the two have a fist fight. Stanley is outclassed but is able to put a ball of the VX in Darrow's mouth and punch him, releasing the gas, exposing himself and Darrow. Exposing so, himself. <laughs> so, fucking Darrow, I like to point out, as a kid, I was a little disappointed because I was like, when you first see the VX poison gas, that guy's face melts. Yeah. In this one, he just kind of chokes on the ball. <laughs> I was genuinely disappointed. But it's important to note that they're both now infected by the VX poison gas. So, this is after he's choked on the ball. Yeah, so he's choked on the ball, put it in his face. And this is the only time he swears. He goes, Eat this, you fuck. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he punches him in the mouth, Great breaking, the, breaking the oh, VX of gas. But this as well, this was spoiled in the trailer. So the, you got your one loose, you know the one loose green those, ball. Yeah, and he sees and in the trailer, you saw Nick Cage diving for it and getting it. Can I just say, there's a scene where he's on the rooftop and he's got the string, the pearl of pearl yeah. of things, and he's being shot at by I don't think it's Chris, but I think Chris is dead by this point. But the other marine, 
and he opens the grate and puts them in. It's the, uh, the drain. It's the mm. first time I've seen the drainage system used properly in a film. <laughs> and I was like, good, good, Godspeed knows. It's like, that's fine. But yeah, you're right. The trailer, as it rolls off the edge, which I still don't understand why he catches it. <laughs> because yeah. he grabs it and you're like, well, if you'd let that fall, mate, you still wouldn't have got you. You'd have been all right. Yeah. Maybe you just well, maybe, maybe there's hostages below it. I don't know. Let's go with that. It was hostages Maybe there's a downwind. I think, yeah. I would, I would have let that bad boy go. Stanley stabs himself in the heart with the antidote. And, and by heart, somewhere in the, yeah, somewhere in the in stomach the, region. In the, in the middle region. <laughs> he, <clears throat> sorry, in order, <laughs> sorry, Stanley then struggles to get up to order. <laughs> he really struggles to stand up now. What I fucking love about this is because, because you and the audience have forgotten that he has to release gas. Briefly, yeah. <laughs> so, so now, because a, a uh, voiceover plays Michael Bien going, now, after the mission is complete, release the gas. <laughs> so that plays, and then he was always going, oh yeah, that was a thing. Well, a lot's <laughs> happened since that throwaway line. But he can't stand up as well, so it takes him forever. He releases the gas blast inside. Love of love this. People haven't been paying attention yet. Now they decide to check mm. <laughs> what's happening on the island. It, it happens just in time, but one bomb is dropped, sending Stanley into the sea where Mason saves his life yet again and says, Christ knows how you survive puberty. Good line. So but they, they, there's a montage of this bit. You've got the, you've got the big score going on. Mm. You've got the planes approaching. Godspeed trying to get to his feet. They really should have, like you say, drove home the message about the green flare. Yes, because, because all this tension is building up. You're like, why? what's happening? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and then anyway, she does it. And then you see this, that you see three scenes very quickly. Uh, you see a uh, bomb drop. Mm. You see you the guy see, shit himself. He's like, oh no. And then you see Nick Cage go, ah, which again was in the trailer on his knees, like, ah, like platoon. Mm. And then you see an explosion. And then you see Nick Cage flying through the air yes. into water. Because that's explosions all, were, mate. It all happens very quickly. <laughs> quickly. What, what I do absolutely love about this bit as well is the captain who drops the bomb immediately knows he's about to be court-martialed yeah. because he goes, he landed a bomb. No, no hostages would do it. It's fine. Yeah, he's, he's, <laughs> it's like, happened at the end. Oh, I killed like Nicholas Cage, but he's fine. <laughs> hostages are he just, he just drives off into the sunset. Come back to base. No. <laughs> no. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> You'll never see me again. Yeah. I'm going to go uh, get diplomatic immunity somewhere else. Uh. You know, also, if Nick Cage gets blown off the uh, tower into water, he probably should let that green ball drop because it sounds like there's water blowing. <laughs> As a thanks, Stanley tells Mason, tells Warmack that Mason died and the hostages are saved. Yeah. They part as friends. Show me a body. Show me a body. Disintegrator. Vap- vaporized on impact, yeah. mate. A body can do that? Oh, yes. Yeah. What I love about this, Director Riff, I don't fucking clue. <laughs> <laughs> Just, I don't need to know these things. Um, as a going away present, Mason gives Stanley the coordinates to a microfilm. Front pew, left mm. leg. It's the microfilm that he was arrested for and held trial. Well, held without trial. And then the idea for the sequel was everyone's coming after the microfilm and then that Nicholas Cage was supposed to find Mason and, and help him stop it. There you go, that was the sequel. I'm so glad they didn't make because yeah. one of the films called The Rock, but they go back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The Rock 2, still rocking. And that was The Rock. Mm. A thoroughly amazing film. It is. I love it. It is. Like any good action movie, you've got to be able to rip it apart. It's logic... It's action. You got, but action is the brain. Leave your brain at the door. Cinema, isn't it? It's you. you, it, you I just yeah. want to be blown away by explosions, big spectacles, car chases, gunfights. I want it to be unrealistic. You know, John Wick movies. Are, you know, are, are 
It's funny you should mention John Wick because I'd much rather watch a film like this than a John Wick film. These films have gone, haven't they? They and that's my point. These films have gone, but they're dare I say the best of the action genre. I think the nineties was. I think you get um, decades that define genres. Yeah, I think maybe the action film the nineties was defined in the in the nineties, and I genuinely could break your heart, you know, and say that I prefer the Rock over Die Hard. I know, I know, and that's just mm. me. That's just me saying that. I'm not saying that it's a, a big. But I love The Rock. See, there's only there's only one action movie that I think comes up to, against Die Hard, and that is Man on Fire. They're the two to me that I'd say is the, are the greatest action movies. The Rock is brilliant. I, I also agree with what you said. I think the 90s gave us some of the best uh, action films. The 80s, 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s and 80s, weirdly, gave us some of the best sci- sci-fi. Yeah. When it was talking about futuristic space travel. Yes. It was some of the most ridiculous futuristic predictions when it came to Earth yes. in 20 years. <laughs> it's, it's weird how they got the, them completely wrong. Everything off Earth, they seem to be flying away with, like really advanced, you know, like ideas and concepts about what space travel would mean. Yeah, and nowadays, they, they never thought back in the 50s, like in Logan's run, they never said, hey, they'd be able to like tweet from the toilet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But and, and action found its feet in the 80s, but I, I do think, yeah, the 90s, the... It's like now, it's like you get directors now that the the films that they saw have influenced their careers and they're turning out some great work. And I suppose, yeah, a lot of those actors, a lot of those directors that were prevalent in the 90s that grew up on 70s cinema, you know, and, and maybe cut their teeth in the 80s, perfected it in the 90s. But it is odd, is it? I can't really put my finger on what movie it is ended the action genre that's of our generation, yeah. which is these 90s films. But for that, again, I'm, I have, I never picked that. I, I picked Man on Fire. <clears throat> if I had to re-pick, and I, I guess this is a big thing, because also, spoilers, next week it's probably going to change again. I love The Rock. The, the Rock to me is funny. It's, it, don't get me wrong, it's nearly three hours long. But it doesn't feel like three hours. Like, compare this to Avatar, which is a film I've seen recently. And at no point during The Rock am I looking at my phone going, oh my God. Yes, there's a... There's a bit that you could come out at the beginning because they don't get to Alcatraz within an hour and 10 minutes until they're in Alcatraz. But do you know what? I'm actually all right with that. Everything has a purpose. It's well written. Mm. It does have great character development. The chemistry is undeniable. There's a, there's a really good scene with... Um, there are really good scenes where Ed Harris is... He's the villain, but at the same time, he is responsible. It's a really good idea. And even the president in his big speech before he decides to kill 81 hostages goes, we've ignored this man. But then his, his, his excuse is, well, still kill him. <laughs> still, we'll still burn everyone alive. It's got morals. Mm. Michael Bay learned a lot in this film. It's a shame he didn't reproduce a lot of them. But I, I genuinely look at The Rock and I think, do you know what? I think it's a brilliant film. I think it's a, it's a great film. I think it's the, be- the I think it's the best of the Holy Trinity. Oh. Between Conair and um, and Face Off and this, for for all the reasons you've just said, I think mainly because the villain is good. Yeah. Ed Harris is a is a in, one of the big talking points I'm going to talk about next week with Face Off is how un is is that Caster Troy as a villain in Face Off doesn't work because mm. if he's the Joker in a Batman film, it works. Yeah, but he's not. He's grounded in the reality of it being. It's not. It's not grounded in fantasy. It's grounded in a film that's trying to be reality, and that doesn't work because he has no moral. You know, he has no empathy 
No, he has no compassion. He has no. That's not he's, true. There's that. His, his non-daughter is about to be sold, and he's like, "I'm going to show you how to use a knife." Yeah, that's really weird because that is the only scene where he kind of shows some kind of moral height. You know, like you know, care for someone. Do you know what? Do you want know like the best? No, no, I won't get into it. We'll, we'll get, get into it, we'll get to it next, next week. week. But I, I think the Rock is the better out of the two and the three of the. I'm looking forward to discussing it next week. Yeah, we but, will um, do Con Air at some point as well. We will do Con Air, but, but Con Air, if you are the arguments, Con Air, Con Air's got the best cast. He's got such a great supporting cast. They're, they're, you know John nice. Cusack's in it, right? You shut your whole mouth. <laughs> Miles O'Brien from Star Trek's in it. Yeah. There's there's something to love about this film, and it to me is brilliant. It's I think it's also a connection between my childhood films when I watched James Bond do these things, and I know I know that's the audience reading into it that is James Bond. Like you said, it could have been Clint Eastwood, it could have been anyone. Well, even a couple of his lines are lifted from Bond movies. Yes, that they he are. It's like. Uh, of course you are. Yeah. Which is the opening line in um, one of his, in Doctor No, I think. So it is, to me, it's it's a great film. It crosses generations. It's a great action film. I don't know why they don't make these type of films anymore. I'd much rather watch this than I'd rather watch a man who's scared of bats fight a clown. I genuinely would rather watch Nicolas Cage have sex on a rooftop <laughs> and shoot a man and then get over that death pretty quickly and yeah. become become a merchant of death. <laughs> Like he like he spends the entire film going. I'm not had a gun. He ends the film by rocketing fucking Candyman out a window. <laughs> yeah. That's growth. <laughs> but the, I, I suppose as well, four years between this and a film like Gone in sixty seconds, where I suppose another catalyst for the action genre changing is the introduction of visual effects mm. and the fact that you know all, although visual effects are expensive, it's it is also somewhat it's a different animal than actually having to explode something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like in the amount of pyrotechnics that were involved, because some of these movies face off as well. In the in the nineties action movies, you could shoot anything; it will blow up. Yes, it will. You shoot a chair, bang, blows up. It's fucking insane. It's because they made that out of gasoline, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think I think The Rock is a solid, solid movie. I think I think it does hold the test of time. I think kids and young adults now discovering it. I think it's a, it's it would be similar to us in our childhood, going back and discovering, you know, some of the great 80s and late 70s, yeah. like action and horror movies. Um, I, yeah, I think I think this is one of the one of the greats. I've got a thing for you. We've always said that if a film mentions its title in a film, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Rock. It we has must, to be contended. It has to be contended. I Yes, I think it's one of the best action films of all time. Yeah. I definitely think it should be saved, put in the vault, protected for future generations. It is, yeah, yeah. It will be protected... From uh, thermal plasmic bombs and nice VX VF, poison gas, yeah. mate, and uh, Tony Todd and his massive array. <laughs> that is uh, that's the rock. Let us know what you think about it. Let us know if we missed any of your favourite scenes or anything like that. But do um, do give us a heads up if you like this episode. Leave us a review, like, subscribe. Like I say, you get a new episode each and every week. Next week, as promised, will be face off. We'll continue the Nicolas Cage uh, journey this time with John Travolta. Can't wait. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night, goodbye. <laughs>